Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. This holiday season, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's greatest heroes have made for us with their annual season of hope. Between Thanksgiving and New Year's Eve, the Foundation will deliver mortgage-free homes to dozens and dozens of America's catastrophically injured veterans, fallen first responder families, and Gold Star families. Bring hope to heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? You know, when we were trying to get this podcast off the ground, we had a lot of questions. How do you record an episode? How do I get the show into all the apps people like to listen to? You know, best of all, how do we like to make money off this podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to to podcast right away. In fact, that's what we're doing right now by reading this ad. You know, I like to listen to to my scary podcast during the week while I'm at work. And man, let me tell you, it just gets me in an extra zone so I can keep working all day long. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. And welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another brand new episode of the Hilo Sports Podcast. It's Kelsey and DJ back with you yet again. And this this week has been kind of different than normal. We've had a lot of playoff action, obviously, but then there's been some really early off the court things that have popped up for for some coaching some so maybe some attitude issues so you know dj first of all welcome back in man and it's been been a good week and then we've we obviously haven't been we were on color cast for a couple games and we've been taking a couple days off we're gonna get ready for it this weekend again uh once the new round starts up but man it's uh it's been kind of a weird one so far it's definitely been a unique week in sports to say the least as well too and just in basketball alone we've had so much going on it feels like on and off the court as well and as you mentioned too the color cast tournament boy it's been it's it's been fun but it's been taking a whole lot it's taking a lot of time too just definitely got to be into it so it's been a busy week in sports and it's only going to get more busy absolutely so let's go ahead and get started with it there is some huge news after the celtics were eliminated from the playoff contention and that is the retirement of danny ainge from the front office as president Brad Stevens 
has been named his replacement. And now the question becomes, who do they replace Brad Stevens with if you're the Celtics? Obviously, you've had a lot of success with Brad Stevens if you're the Celtics, but you haven't had quite the same success that you would probably have hoped for. So first of all, what do you think about Brad Stevens moving into the front office? And then who also do you think is going to replace him? I have no idea who they want to replace him necessarily because they've given absolutely no indication necessarily as to what they would. Are you going to go for another Brad Stevens? Or are you going to go for somebody else? Like is what would, what do you necessarily want? Cause if Brad's now in charge, my thought could mean one of three things, either a, he was absolutely sick and tired of being an NBA coach. Cause that is a miserable job. B he had absolutely no faith in the current team he has right now. And he's like, huh, I don't want to get blamed when this thing implodes. So he got out of there, but still got to stay in Boston. So smart move on him. Or he just really enjoys team building as opposed to coaching, which would be kind of surprising considering how good of a coach he really is. So the question, it kind of just depends on what the motive was, I guess, behind him wanting to go. And if this was something he's always wanted, et cetera, but we'll, we'll see necessarily, but I don't know who they're looking for. Honestly, I feel like there's a, there's probably an assistant coach or two or three out there. They really like, but I have no idea who they necessarily are going to want. I know there's been some rumors out there, but rumors. Exactly, yeah. Some rumors being Fizdale, some rumors being Jason Kidd, Chauncey Billups. Um, first of all, Chauncey Billups in in Boston, that's a very interesting one. Same with J- Jason Kidd. I don't know if I could ever see that. And for that matter, Fizdale, considering all the Knicks years he, he's put in. Um, for, I guess uh, opposites know. attract in the purest form of the word, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But Danny Ainge, obviously, him retiring, that's a – a huge kind of thing for the NBA because you talk about what he's done in the NBA since becoming president of basketball operations for the Celtics, 18 years he's been doing this 2008 NBA champion and executive of the year. And then he's also the big big three, basically of the recent era. He's the one who more or less started the big three super team era when they did that to him. I know LeBron and and Katie and guys like that made it ridiculous, but he kind of started it by bringing them all together. Absolutely. And that actually that season, that, that 07, 08 season, it was a 42-win improvement from the previous season, which is the largest turnaround in NBA history, by the way, the year that he won executive of the year and they won the championship. So just to your point of the big three or the Boston three-party or whatever you want to call it, that he, he, was, he was a big string puller on that whole thing. Absolutely, too. So I guess that's going to be an interesting retirement, how Brad slides into that spot, too. Maybe – I wonder if suddenly he's suddenly he's thinking like, all right, I, I want I know what I want to do with the team, so I want to quickly build the team I want for like two years and then pull up Pat Riley in 2006 and just slide out of the front office back into the coaching gig when he fires whoever this guy is. In fact, like, all right, guys, I'm back. And then looks like a hero saving the day in his big sh- knight in shining armor herself. Yeah, absolutely. And then just going through a couple other names that they've been linking uh, to the potential replacement for Brad Stevens, Ime Udoka, um, part of Greg Popovich's staff, Lloyd Pierce as well. Um, so very interesting. Uh, one I want to mention, though, uh, also coming out of Popovich's assistant coaching tree. Do you think we could have the first female head coach in the NBA? And that, that being Becky Hammond, we've talked about how good she's done as assistant coach. Do you think she might get a call from the Celtics? If you're going to tell me that the first female NBA coach is going to happen like sooner rather than later, I could not think of a better candidate, honestly. I mean, she's been fantastic with the Spurs and that'd be, very interesting to go to the Celtics. I don't know if that's what they're looking for necessarily. Like, I feel like, I don't know what the Celtics, I'm just curious. Something about the Celtics doesn't scream making that kind of leap necessarily at this sort of point or breaking those type of barriers. But if they do, that'd be really, that'd be really cool. As you mentioned too. So that'd be, that'd be very interesting to see if they pulled that off and how that worked out. Yeah. I mean, we, we talk about Danny age and his kind of pioneering 
bringing together three huge players, being the first one to really do that and be able to get the same egos on the same court. Maybe Brad Stevens tries to be a pioneer himself. That's that's the would be a very interesting way to replace Danny Ainge. Brad Stevens comes in and gives Becky Hammond a call and says, hey, you want your first head coaching gig? And first of all, I know Greg Popovich, he's, he's talked very highly of her his entire time, so he would support that's it. But a, that's it, even an understatement. I mean, like he's basically raved about her more than himself. She's He's basically said she's better than I am half the time. Yeah, I mean, really, whenever he gets – the few times he's been ejected from games, it's been Becky Hammond taking over uh, for him. So it's, that is something to, to mention. Uh, but also, off the news as well, Coach K announcing he will retire after – this season, Coach Mike Krzyzewski out of Duke, uh, been there for absolutely forever, it feels like. And let's not forget, he also led the U.S. basketball team to, what, three, four, five gold medals in his reign as head coach? All the medals, basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that's a huge one as well. So he'll actually retire after the twenty-one or 21-22 season, so after next season. And that's that's a big blow for, for really basketball fans everywhere, I mean – that's, I mean, that's we talk about thing. Cher is the one of the few people that can just go by her name. I feel like Coach K is one of the other ones in that category. So you say Coach K, and we all know. I mean, it's not exactly like, oh, which Coach K are you talking about? Oh, no, they know the one who has basically no K in his pronunciation whatsoever. It's Krzyzewski. Yeah. So I, that's going to be a tough blow. And weirdly enough, you know, it would have been an interesting fit if it was they didn't already kind of have a coach away. Imagine Brad Stevens at Duke if he decided to go there. <laughs> Could you just imagine how that would be what he was able to do with Butler and what he's been able to do in the NBA? Like, my goodness, that'd be heck, one heck of a fit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that would be uh, very interesting as well. And it's it's ironic considering we have Roy Williams, who just retired for, for UNC. Now we have Coach K retiring at Duke. And a very interesting one that's replacing Coach K. I thought this was very interesting. I, I don't know if you remember this guy from – when he was coming back, uh, when he was making the run in the Final Four, but John Shire, the old three-point sniper for Duke, uh, coming—he's actually going to be the coach in waiting uh, for this situation. So he's le- the likely successor to Duke, unless something absolutely crazy happens. I'm curious to see how he does on the recruiting trail. Being a former player, the former sniper as well, too. What kind of guys he recruits? Does he recruit guys that played like him? Does he recruit guys that played the opposite? So, very curious to see how that whole thing works out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and also just kind of capping off this crazy cycle in news, we have Joel Embiid going down injured with another injury, and this time a knee injury, a minor meniscus tear. I mean, what do you think the odds are for the 76ers going forward? I know we'll talk about this a little bit more later on, but but just off the top, when you heard Joel Embiid went down with another knee injury, what's your first thoughts on that? Hopefully it's not permanently broken, basically. Like, hopefully it's not something that's going to end his season, which it looks like it's not going to end his season at all. So it looks like he's day-to-day. He they are they closed out the Wizards though, so they're done in the first round. That's good. Gives them a little bit of don't have to risk a game six and a game seven with that. So that's nice as well too. So I'm hopeful it'll be okay. But like guys like him, Anthony Davis, it just unfortunately they just can't seem to not get hurt. There's there's a black cat that is hidden somewhere in their brain basically that always requires them to get hurt, and it's really unfortunate. Yeah, and, and speaking of AD, that's our our last little bit there is uh, with him being out injured, the Lakers are absolutely struggling, right? That's an embarrassment to struggling. Like, my goodness, that was awful. What they did, the the setting suns completely set them off, scorched the entire, all of Los Angeles. Like, they, they talk about the San Andreas fault line separating California. They just got hit by the sun. Like, even Sunny Delight, that's, the, the, the suns harnessed the full power of Sunny, Sunny Delight and had the power of the sun on the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, look at five minutes and fi- five minutes and 30 seconds remaining in the game down by, 
well, quite a margin. Uh, we it. saw we, we saw LeBron just basically walk off the court. What your first thoughts on that? Like when you see when you hear LeBron just saying, "You know what? I'm out." With with five and a half minutes left in the game, like what? I did not personally like it just because it doesn't show a good message because you still have to go out and battle with those guys again if you want your season back. And it's not that big of a deal, I guess, depending on who you talk to. I mean, it's not like the end of the world, but I just don't like it considering you got to be – you are you have that pedestal. You are that dude. They are going to follow you. There's the tweet from Alex Caruso in two, 2014 saying, like, no wonder all these guys are taking pay cuts to play with, the, play with the Cavs. I would do it too to play with LeBron James. They all look up to you. You kind of have to go above and beyond. It's you're held to a higher standard. You kind of have, they need you to meet that higher standard. And you don't really meet it when you walk off the court like that. Yeah, no, not at all. And it was embarrassing, really. I mean, we haven't seen him pull a stunt like that since basically the last game he played for the Cavs before the decision. You know, really, I mean, that's... Maybe when he walked off in the finals against the Warriors in 2018, right before he came to the Lakers, too. That was the closest thing I could think of, necessarily. I mean, is that like something to think about? Like he, the only times he's done it has been in the, the times he's left a team. It, does this does this put the writing on the wall? Is he leaving the Lakers after this season? I highly doubt that. He's, pretty, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, he's signed through. So I don't think that's necessarily the case as well. Too. And where else is he? Where else is he going to go? Is he going to go to another? Going to find another suitor that's going to rebuild the team for him? That's the question. Are they going to let him build the team in his image, like he's been able to do with the Lakers? I mean. These are all guys that he wanted for the most part. I mean, like he wanted Anthony Davis. They found a way to get Anthony Davis. He wanted Kyle Kuzma. They kept Kyle Kuzma. Like at this point, it's kind of, you have to just kind of make the bed you lie in, even though it's not going the way you hoped. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll get a little bit more into this one in, in depth on this Lakers team here in just a minute. Uh, but that was the tip pre- presented by Dr. Squatch. Uh, smell like a man and you know, feel like a champion after that one. So Dr. Squatch, doc, uh, go check it out. The link is in our bio on our link tree and absolutely fantastic product. We appreciate them, but moving on into really the main segment, the, the whole reason we're here, uh, this NBA playoffs, obviously we, we are seeing some, some, some games like rounding up. Finally, we just saw the Hawks clinch tonight going up four one. As I mentioned earlier, the Celtics were eliminated beating the, uh, getting beat by the nets in five games, uh, in a four one series. And, there were no there were no sweeps really except for one and probably the most surprising being the Bucks over the Heat. And who would have thought if you know, all the first round series are set and matched and that you said one of them is going to be a sweep? That's not the one we would have picked. No, not at all. I mean, Philly they won four one. They you know as I mentioned the Hawks four one. The the Nets were still four one. Uh, Utah four one over the Grizzlies. Like that's. It's crazy to think that there were so many four ones, and then there's the one single solitary sweep, and it's not the team anybody predicted. We thought it was going to be the most competitive, and it's just the opposite way. Game when we called game one on Colorcast, we said this one's going seven because it ended off of Jimmy Butler's heroics to take it to overtime, and then Chris Middleton going for Chris Middleton and the Bucks missing a billion free throws. Little did we know that that was the anomaly, and we were going to see the Bucks completely unleash beast mode the rest of the way and basically dropped the defensive gauntlet all over the heat. It was, I hate to say it, but it was a mismatch basically from the opening tip of the second game all the way through the remainder of it. It looked like the Heat didn't even belong in the playoffs, and the Bucks looked like they belonged in the finals the way they played. Yeah, absolutely. And so now looking at it going forward, it obviously sets up a few matchups already. We, we, know, we know actually the entire East, we know now uh, how that's going to look out. That is going to be the 76ers playing the Hawks. And then the Nets will be playing 
the uh, Bucks as well. So that that Eastern Conference right there, ouch, uh, is the best way to put that one. It, it just feels like ouch. Whoever gets out of that one, they're going to be battle tested for sure. Once they get to the when they get to the finals, they will be battle tested. That to say the least. Yeah, and and now looking at it, we, we mentioned Joel Embiid's injury. If he misses, let's say he misses the first three games, do you think that means the Hawks walk away easy in this in that series? I don't know about that now, but it, it they can't go down 0-3 definitely. Like that, I that's tough just because they're so dependent on Joel Embiid and the way the Hawks use their big men in John Collins and Clint Capella. Like I don't know if you can't just throw Dwight Howard down the back. Oh, he'll he'll be fine. That's a lot to contain even for just Joel Embiid. So. That's tough if you can, if he misses the first three or so games. So they might, if he can get back healthy, they're going to need him sooner rather than later. Absolutely, he's their driving force. Even against the Wizards, they were plus like a hundred or something in their in games with him, and then minus when he's off the court. So it's it's not good. And I don't know if they can build to just be like, all right, Ben Simmons, we're running the offense around you. I don't know if they have enough snipers around him necessarily because Ben Simmons is not. You can't trust him to shoot the free throws. You can't trust him to shoot the ball really whatsoever. He has to force his way into the paint through reckless abandon and then kick or dunk basically at that point. Yeah. I mean, look, Ben Simmons is his own, own type of player. Uh, I think is the best way I could put it. He is, he is what he is and he's not changing with that said with Joel Embiid out tonight, he did put up a triple double. So he's capable of carrying the load. Uh, it's just, I, I, if you're the Hawks, I feel like you feel comfortable because you have the two stalwarts down low. I've talked about them being the two towers, the entire postseason when in John Collins and Clint Capella I mean you can just run those two out there at, at any given time and they're athletic enough to keep up with Ben Simmons and they're strong enough and 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 good enough down low and quick enough to, to read pretty much any any sort of jump moves or hesitations you have um, so there's not a whole lot opening down openings down low for Ben Simmons to work um, for sure and that's so that'd be a very interesting series to go forward if you had to get take a take a Quick guess is what what's the what's the final outcome of that 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 uh, matchup? What do you think? A uh, pain. I don't know how, but so it's going to be tough for somebody. That's for sure. <laughs> that's safe answer. Very safe answer. As that's that is a very interesting matchup. Obviously with the, with the Hawks uh, with with the Hawks Sixers matchup. The Sixers getting past the Knicks uh, at in in New York and uh, Trey Young really just dominating that series completely. So. Let's not forget about and young. Welcome yeah. to the playoffs, Ice Trey. My goodness, that was the be- that series was probably the best he's ever played in his entire career. Like you, I don't think there's a better five game stretch he's necessarily played too. I know he had one or two games where he wasn't great from three, but he's not necessarily just a three point bomber anymore, which I think is why he's been so good. His threes are few and far between now. And good luck, everybody else. Now that Trey's got that clean floater in the paint too. Good luck, everybody else. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, averaged plus thirty points over the fo- the five games. About 30 and 10, 27 and 10, something along those lines, yeah. Yeah, so uh, absolutely insane to even consider. Uh, you know, for the Knicks, look, you had a fantastic season. Nobody really expected you to finish fifth in the East, let alone – or sorry, fourth in the East, let alone to have a fighting chance, even to take one game away from the Hawks. Uh, I, I don't think any of us predicted that. Um, and if you did, bravo to you because I hope you bet money on it because uh, you're, you're a you're I did not bet money on it, unfortunately, so I will not be cashing in on that. But yeah, that's like I mean, I figured maybe they might be able to make a sneak in and maybe an eight seed, maybe the ten seed in the play in. But to to come in with to be a top four team to take a half home court advantage, uh, very impressive from the Knicks. So you know they got their standing ovation at the end of end of the game, and, and literally as they started giving the standing ovation, of course Trey Young, being who he is, uh, drains a three from the logo, 
in MSG and then takes a bow during their standing ovation. So as you said too, there's a lot of shows in New York, New York, and that's what you do at the end of a show. You take a bow. So Trey Young growing up right before our eyes and he's going to have a tough matchup in the next series going against potential defense player of the year and Ben Simmons as well too. For all Ben Simmons, we'll say shortcomings on the shooting side of the things on offense. He can lock up one through five. Honestly, he could guard the best of them. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm excited to see those two go head to head. And the other matchup in the East, as we talked about, the Bucks taking on the Nets. That one actually starts on Saturday. So if there's any Game 7 games, especially maybe these Lakers go to Game 7, if, as we mentioned just a minute ago with LeBron, uh, that game is actually going to take place after the Bucks nets series, which is really weird because the NBA scheduling. Um, so it, it's, 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 it's a mess on paper. It makes no sense. It's like, hey, we're going to start Round 2 before Round 1 is done. Like It's like saying, hey, we're going to play the divisional round in the NFL before the wild card is finished. Yeah, exactly. So a very interesting little aspect. But yeah, like I said, the Bucks, Bucks Nets playing on Saturday and that game one gets kicked off. This game, very interesting because these probably are the top two teams in maybe the whole entire NBA as far as the way they're performing right now. Not just the Eastern Conference as far as their talent goes, but just all around. Like these potentially might be the two hottest teams going against each other. And this would be very interesting. We could have had to the two teams that swept if it didn't take Jason Tatum going full. Oh my God, Jason Tatum. How did he do that? It took an absolutely heroic performance for him dropping 50 to even get avoid getting, getting away from this, getting to the gentleman's sweep. Basically they had to earn the gentleman's sweep, but the big three are for the, the nets. They're starting to click. They're starting to look dangerous. They're able to coagulate and my goodness, that's going to be scary. But if anybody can match up with them, it's probably that team that they're facing right now in the Milwaukee bucks. Defensively, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Giannis, and you have Brooke Lopez and guys like that. That's realistically, I think the winner of that matchup is coming out of the East. As great as the 76ers are, there's so much to not trust there. And if the Hawks come out of the East, I will eat my words, but I don't think this is their year to come out of the East. I'd, I think the Nets and the Bucks, that the winner of that one is going to the finals. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at the matchups across the board right now. You have Kyrie versus Drew Holiday, as you mentioned. Obviously, Drew Holiday offensively, not as deadly as Kyrie. However, defensively, matches up pretty well against Kyrie uh, throughout just the way he plays. And then Chris Middleton taking on James Harden. That matchup is very interesting because offensively, both very deadly. Defensively, Chris Middleton obviously has the edge defensively over James Harden, as James Harden has the edge offensively uh, over Chris Middleton. And then the other one being Giannis versus KD. So these three matchups, which one of these three matchups to you is is going to be the one that you think will make or break this series? That's tough. I, the one I'm looking forward to seeing is obviously Giannis and Katie because they, it is the weirdest enigma of body styles that I've ever seen because they're both about six foot eleven, both about two hundred forty pounds. But could they look any more opposite though? I mean, Kevin Kevin Durant is a twig basically by all standards. He's get really thin, really wiry. Giannis is relatively built especially in recent years like he's got some muscle the shoulder caps the biceps they're the exact same height and the exact same weight and really the exact same everything except when you look at him it's like you would think Giannis is 260 and Kevin's like 105 but they're the exact same it's so weird so I think the question is how does Giannis attack this front line because the Nets do have a pretty decent front line when you throw up Blake Griffin DeAndre Jordan help side Kevin Durant off the weak side as well but his length like they could make not necessarily the wall that Philadelphia can or teams like that or what Miami did last year, but they could make things difficult for him in the if he could be a playmaker and get those snipers involved. I mean, my goodness. Well, 
I can't wait. But I'm going to go with Giannis and Kevin Durant just because I feel like the other ones in some ways will match, will cancel each other out. Like Chris Middleton, will, he'll get you buckets even if he can't stop James Harden. Drew Holiday, he'll sl- if he slows down Kyrie, they'll, they'll find a way to make it work if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, to your point, like KD is arguably the second best player in the NBA today. Arguably the first best player, depending on who you talk to. It really depends on how much you rank LeBron, where you rank LeBron at, and really where you where you rank Giannis at. Giannis might be the best player in the NBA to some people. You said the LeBron we saw against the Suns, that is not the best player in the world. Yeah, I mean, so when you when you consider it, like these that matchup between Giannis and KD is quite literally the matchup for at the very least second best player in the world currently. I feel like it's safe to to say, and, and obviously I might hear some detractors saying, "Well, what about Jokic?" No, no, no. We're talking all around game, everything they can do. Look, yes, Jokic had a fantastic season. We'll Jokic talk about is the him. MVP where no one's arguing that. Anyone who gets offended by, by saying he might, the MVP isn't always the best player in the league. Not yeah, it's, the and it's not always the best player in the world either. Like, look, the fact is LeBron has been the best player in the world for 90% what? of his career since 2003. Maybe you could even say his last year in high school, 2002. I, I don't know if I go that. I wouldn't go that I, far. But, no, but I mean, that's just my, my point, though. Like, He's been it forever. I mean, literally forever, almost 18 years now that he's been the best player in the world. Really, uh, I guess it's safe to say probably 15 of those 18 years, the best player in the world. We'll say like, at least since like 2010 or something like that, like somewhere in that area. Yeah. And so now you have KD and, and Giannis out here battling and, and KD defensively has also stepped up this year, which is very exciting because he's taken a lot of matchups right to the chest. And Giannis is always going to be, a defensive player at heart where his offense is, as we talked about inside of the paint. Um, so it'll be a very shack interesting in the paint. Basically that's kind of, he's basically just shacking the paint. Just give him the yeah. ball and he'll, he'll find a way to yam. Basically the problem is when he plays so much outside the paint, then has to crash into the paint. That's when he gets a little bit like a little reckless, you could say, and not to mention as well too, he can't hit free throws that that has been a big Achilles heel that they got to figure out. They got to figure out how to get the free throw thing figured out. Cause you know, there's not going to miss the free throws those three on the other side literally any of those three like james harden i think is the lowest free throw shooter out of them all and he's like 88 percent. yeah and and we did a we did a bucks nets game earlier in the season on color cast and it was actually Giannis missing a free throw to cost him that game that 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 was the the issue at the end of that one so you know it, it happens with him for some reason just free throws it's like ben simmons he just can't shoot his free throws at the end of the day now with Giannis, he has the excuse of well, I'm almost seven feet tall and I have a seven foot five wingspan. Ben Simmons doesn't really have that excuse. So, although he is almost six foot 10, and so he, I guess he's pretty close in that regard. But same time, you can't go 0 of nine to start a series. Like, you could be bad from the free throw line, but you can't be that bad. Like, that, that's just ridiculous, especially when you're the point guard ball handler. Yeah. So, I think it's both, it's safe to say both of us have the winner of this Bucks Nets series, though, uh, as the odds on favorite for leading, leaving, Leaving the East as the as the uh, the 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 East holder championship holder, if it's, I think it's safe to say. We'll see what happens with Joel Embiid and that injury too. If he can come back even somehow better, maybe like healthy and not be an injury risk, that may, that's a dangerous team when they get going offensively. That is still a dangerous team. So, but I still agree. Like I'm sticking with it. The Nets and the Bucks, the winner of that is going to the finals. Yeah, definitely. And then looking at the West, so obviously with the East, we have those matchups right there, which are very interesting matchups. But you know, it's. Really going to be dependent on that injury right there to, to Joel Embiid as, as far as how intriguing that Hawks sec- Sixers series is really going to be and Ben Simmons performing. But in the West, it's almost all up for grabs right now in the West. 
Utah. Um, I think the only team that's not gonna that you can eliminate out of the West is the teams that are already eliminated. Anyone who's still playing is still is a has e- basically equal shots to win it all. It feels like. Yeah, absolutely, and, and that's just it. It's like looking at the looking at the board right now. Obviously, Utah just closed out today, so that's they finally are the first team through in the West, and it took five games to get past the Grizzlies, and it was it wasn't five easy games to get past the Grizzlies. That's a one versus eight seed, and that Grizzlies team had to fight their way in to get that eight seed over the tough Warriors team. And they gave the Jazz absolutely everything they could handle. I think it's safe to say. Everything and a bag of chips and some cookies on the side. Like, that was a that was absolutely miserable for the Jazz. And I guarantee they're kind of upset. Like, this is what I get for the one seed? you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I spent all this time to get that? Dang. What I would have given to just got, got to play just about anyone else. But they were able to close it out. Obviously, the Lakers and the Suns, that looks like it's, it's heading to game six, maybe game seven. If LeBron goes full, what we've seen LeBron do in his career in closeout games, he averages the most points per game in closeout games. It's like 20, it's like 33 ish points per game. Something ridiculous like that. Yeah. We all remember what he did against Boston, that game with the, with the glare. We see every time it's a closeout <laughs> game, regardless if he's going to win or lose, he's going to put on an absolute clinic. We know that like that's the sun, the sun is the sky is blue. The sun will come out that, death taxes all that sort of thing you know it's gonna happen yeah absolutely and then also i mean you look at this nuggets trailblazer series this one is going just as deep it's 3-2 right now game six is uh, you know on thursday night and the nuggets have a 3-2 lead but it's not been easy for the nuggets at all i mean dame is dame just had a record-setting performance set the record for most three-pointers hit in a game with 12 and it still wasn't enough to beat the Nuggets, but I mean, only just barely. We're talking like it wasn't like it was just like a still Nuggets walk away. It was it was a tough fought game for the Nuggets that just had absolutely everybody hitting their shots. Finally, he went twelve of seventeen from three, with fifty five points and ten assists, and he could have had twelve if if Covington doesn't miss a dunk and if CJ McCollum doesn't inexplicably step five yards out of bounds. Like, it's absolutely amazing how they, that performance he put on. And Denver won the game because they had everybody clicking. Jokic was as phenomenal as usual. Michael Porter Jr., Monte Morris, like they had their they had a squad, and it showed. Where we what we saw with with the Trailblazers was like Dame, please save us, Dame, please save us, Dame, please save us. And I don't know what else he could have possibly done. Like we talk about how like oh if you don't win the game it doesn't quite have the same like place in history, quote unquote. What more is he supposed to do in that regard? Like, my goodness, is he he can't throw pass it any better to Covington, who literally yams it off the back iron. Like, I could I can miss a dunk like that. And I do not get paid the same amount of money he does. I don't even know what else he could have done at that point. It was an absolutely insane performance. And if you're the Nuggets, you probably feel like you have to close this one out now because you survive an absolute torch in Damian Lillard in full human torch mode. You don't really want to risk that happening again and not because you don't know. Don't let lightning strike twice, basically, at that point. Like, all right, we got a way. We have to find a way to put them out next game by any means necessary. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, here's the question for you then. Game six, who do you have taking this one? The way that, the nature of the series, I'm going to give it to the Blazers. I think they're going to force a game seven. It's just the way this whole series is gone, I feel like it has to go. But, man, is it going to be tough to after you have your Hall of Fame caliber point guard give you all of that? Oh, that's going to be tough, though. It's going to be tough to bounce back from that one. Everybody else better show up next game. Somebody else better give you 20 to 25. Yeah. Like, so, you need Hoodie Mello to show up for this game or something. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. I think you're going to need you're going to need somebody else to score, to, to be a plus 20 score. You can't have two guys at like 18, 19. You got to have some, another plus 20. 
score in this one to, to give you a chance. But let's not let's not undersell what the Nuggets are able to do. I mean, they're doing this without Jamal Murray. And now we've talked about this. I still think their offense is better without Jamal Murray because how Jamal Murray's been playing this year, which is absolutely blasphemous to say considering the performance he put on last year in the bubble. But this year it's it was Jamal Murray of empty. It, wasn't like, it was like it was like literally watching him run on empty the whole season. I mean, most Nuggets fans, they won't say it now, but at the time they were saying that he was an overrated and he was a problem too. I mean, like before the injury, it's then when you don't have it, it's like, oh, wait, no, wait, no, because they know what he's capable of. But since he went out though, Michael Porter Jr. stepped up his game, which I don't think he'd have been able to do that if we, if Jamal Murray was healthy the whole time too. So it's, I feel like you still were, you're still able to get more out of it, if that makes sense. Like it, it wasn't like you were completely hindered because you had an upgrade elsewhere, if that makes sense. Yeah, and, and you're also getting a different Jokic than you would have gotten with Jamal Murray. You're getting a Jokic that knows he needs to score 30 every night and still and give you all the too. all the assists, you know? Exactly, too. The, I think it, you have playmaker Jokic, not pure buckets Jokic necessarily. Or, and you have one who's at the same time we saw it in game one where he's like, all right, I'm just going to get buckets on ridiculous shooting percentages. And they lost the game because nobody else got involved. And the rest of the series, he's forced himself to basically be the playmaker, even if Portland doesn't want him to, which they really don't. Yeah, no, not at all. The fact is, though, he is the MVP. Odds-on favorite for MVP. I think he's our favorite for MVP as well. And he is... There's no reason anyone else should get at this point. There is no reason. No, not at all. And he has been basically forcing his will these last couple games, getting Denver this 3-2 lead. Um, And then speaking of another 3-2 lead, because that's just literally how the entire West is, uh, other than, as we talk about the Jazz Grizzlies, the Mavericks just clinched a 3-2 lead over the Clippers, winning 105-100 in a close game against the Clippers. And the Mavericks, very interesting with Luka Doncic, having a nerve issue in his neck. That's that was still giving them 40. Still giving them, yeah, exactly. Still giving them 40. But then also, that is what's supposedly at the source of his poor performances in their two losses. How much do you buy that as being a fact? Or do you just buy it as he's probably been playing with it longer and it just is a convenient time to use that as the excuse? I, now, Luca, Luca, not using it as an excuse. I'm not saying Luca is. I'm saying fans and media people are. Who knows? Honestly, you can never tell with how these things go. You, it's never been a problem before. Maybe it got acted up. Who, who honestly knows? What he does need to work on is same with everyone. Else. He needs to figure out how to get the free throws going because he has been nearly shot them out of games at the free throw line. So he needs to figure out how to get his free throw shooting down. But he, minus that, he has been absolutely sensational. Whether it is be, whether that neck issue is an older one or something, we don't no necessarily but i don't know with him i really don't know i i hope it's nothing too serious and i hope it was maybe just a just a random sting just the way the game plays but we'll see if they do move on to the to the next uh to the next round hopefully that's not something that holds him back and maybe it does affect some of the rough games he's had but he's still giving you 30 even in his bad games like his bad games haven't been too bad necessarily his shooting's been pretty he's always been streaky he's very jr smith basically as far as if he's going to make it or not so that's nothing really new. I think he just got was so hot before that injury started peaking up. Everyone looks at him like, oh, the injury, it has to be that. Yeah. Maybe it just kind of helped bring him back down to earth a little bit quicker. I, I don't know, honestly. I really don't know because I'm not going to tell him, no, it's an injury, you're a liar, because I don't know that. But I'm not going to say, oh, it's the injury. That's clearly what it is. When you look at his entire career trajectory, it makes sense that he's just basically cooled down, that, that he's not necessarily – that it's not just the injury, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, yeah, and that's that's – that's a really good point is that, you know, it's not just 
there's more to it than just the injury. Obviously, the injury. Now, the injury in itself, the nerve damage is like kind of like a pinched nerve, essentially. So it will cause numbness in his left hand. So that does suck. But he's probably been. It's one of those things that's it's, it's an onset thing. So it, it goes for a while. And like you saw it in the game today, he he was a lot of times he was shaking his hand, gripping, open and closing the hand for grip, like just checking it. So maybe it is bothering him. But to your point, he always has been that hot and cold type of player. So. It might be bothering him, just also mixed with he is coming back down from a un- ungodly performance, which also begs the question, how great could his performances have been had it not been for this injury? It depends. If the, that injury is actually causing the missed free throws, then, oh, my goodness, he would be on Damian and Lillard levels, basically. But if it's what I think it is, then I think it wouldn't have changed too much, honestly, because I do think he could be also one of those guys that plays – better through an injury i guess like when he's injured he somehow is able to kick it up another level he's able to push through it assuming it's not like a catastrophic injury so i don't know i'm not gonna because i don't want to discredit what he's already doing but i don't want to put an excuse in there so i'm gonna say he does about the same one way or another maybe it's slightly different maybe he misses less shots because he's not he's not worried about the injuries not just hucking up terrible shots so we'll go six in one hand half a dozen in the other <laughs> okay fair enough i'm taking the safe route i i don't blame you because that's i mean you, that's a good thing with luca is is he's always one of those guys while he is kind of dramatic with the refs, he's never been a guy that you ever questioned his competitiveness. So he's, injury, never, he's never a baby, that's for sure. Like, yeah. he's a complainer, but he's not a baby, if that makes sense. He's somewhere, he's in between. Yeah, like, he's never a guy that you question his competitiveness. Like, at the end of the day, you know when, when they're out on the court, he is playing through whatever ails him, and he's never going to use that as an excuse, which, as I mentioned, he is not the one using any of this as an excuse. He has been the one to say, I just need to shoot better. I need to do better. I need to be a better playmaker for my team. Like he is taking all the onus on himself, which if you're a fan of the Mavs or you're an owner or you're a, you know, player operations guy, or you're any of those coaches, anybody on that team, you're like, wow, he's saying that if you know what actually is going on with them, it's like, that's got to boost your morale to some degree that you're like, well, I got to, I want to support my guy. I want to support Luca. I want to do what I can. His teammates, especially you got to imagine that they're out here. Like, we got to play better too, you know? Honestly, if I'm, I mean, I know they've been hitting ridiculous from three as a team too, but you really need Kristaps to look like that number two option he has brought in to be like, he, the APB out for him needs that he needs to be found. He needs to get put on a milk carton or something. They got to get it. They got to get Kristaps out there. Cause if he can give you 80% of what you hope for when you traded for him, Mavs are dangerous, man. They are a scary, scary team moving forward. Yeah. And, and to your point tonight in the 105, 100 victory, uh, he only managed to get, 30 minutes in, eight points, six rebounds. You can't have that. A seven-foot-three guy that could shoot like that and has his game, you can't do that. There's no excuse for that. Uh, he scored the same amount of points as Dorian Finney-Smith and Dwight Powell and was outscored by Boban. Injuries completely destroyed his career, unfortunately. Like, the trajectory he was on before the injuries, and now he's just always playing catch-up, basically. Like, it's really disappointing, and I really hope somehow it could change and he could get back to, like, that Kristaps that we thought we'd see, but... I just don't know. Those injuries really add up over time, especially for such a giant man too. Like those injuries, what are bad for a point guard, they are catastrophic for a guy of his size. Yeah, and we've seen them all the time with seven footers. It's the moment the legs happen, the legs go. I say seven footer. I'll even cut it down to six foot nine guy or six foot ten guys and above. Anytime there's a knee or below injury, it seems like their entire career just starts slowly dissipating very fast. And with consider how many injuries he's had to knees and knees and below it's been a lot in a short amount of time 
Absolutely, too. And they've added up quickly, too. It's not like, oh, just one year, a couple of years, fine. And then another one. And then at the back end of his career, he's like 25. And they've all just kind of smacked him across the face. Yeah, exactly. So looking at this, though, so now we have three series in the West, 3-2. You have Phoenix, Denver, and Dallas. Do any of them go to game seven, in your opinion? Hmm. I do think that Portland and Denver is going to go to game seven. I just, that one just feels like it has to go to game seven. I don't know why it just, I feel like it's going to, that one's going to game seven. As per all Nuggets Trailblazers series, it feels like recently. It's like, it's like a, a ticket they have to stamp. Rules is rules. It just has to happen. Mike Malone, Terry Stotts, and the go head to head. It just has to happen. I think the, it's hard to me for me to see LeBron go out like this in the first round for the first time in his career like that. So I feel like that one's going to go seven, but I just, I base that on nothing. I really don't believe that, honestly. I would not bet a single dollar. It's just like, really, LeBron, this is how you're going to go out? I'd, I'll believe that when I see it, I guess. Like, he goes out like that in the finals or the conference finals, but not round one. Yeah, you base that off of Le- LeBron's legacy, which to LeBron sometimes it seems like it seems like there's times where his legacy means more than other things. So maybe, maybe LeBron's legacy is a driving force for him. And then the Mavs Clippers... I don't trust the Clippers, but I, the they have so much talent, so much firepower. It's like, are you really going to let the Mavs take you out in six? I mean, <laughs> but they did go down 0-2 to the Mavs, so it's like, really? So I could see if anything doesn't go seven, I think that's the one that ends in six. I think Lucas just finally puts the nail in the coffin on him on this one because game seven, that favors the Clippers a lot, and I really don't think uh, – I don't think the Mavs want to see that. Yeah, no, I mean, look, you look at this 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 Clippers team, to your point of all the all the weapons they have, three guys over 20 – and that's Kawhi, Paul George, and, and Reggie Jackson off the bench. Uh, but the problem is it's 23, 20, and 20. Not There's not a single guy that's giving you 28 or 25 plus or 30. It's kind of the same issue that the Grizzlies ran into where they spread their offense out so much. Sometimes you lose a single solitary driving force offensively, like a, a guy that when it comes down to it, like we saw in the first Bucks heat game, who's going to be the guy that's going to take you and drive you in a close game and and here in a 105 100 game that was decided by free throws they couldn't find that guy and it doesn't help that all of a sudden like Kawhi and Paul George are just really good defenders they're not the elite defenders that they were once known as like their game is they're almost they're elite defenders more on reputation now than what we actually see on the court like I don't see them locking people up I don't see the defensive player of the year Kawhi that we saw in previous years I don't see almost a defense player of the year Paul George from two seasons ago in Oklahoma city, really. Like, I just don't see that more And Patrick Beverly. I'm not, I won't say too much on Pat Bev. Like I, I think his, his entire career to, has been a little bit overrated as being a high quality nap. Basically he's a pain in the butt. He's not a lockdown defender. He's not what drew holiday has been capable of doing what we've seen drew holiday do to elite point guards. He's not like that at any means. He's just a really good pain in the ass, similar to Lance Stevenson, what he was in his heyday, but without Lance Stevenson's buckets. Yeah. And, they actually talked about that during the game today. Essentially, Pat Bev, because he he was injured a little bit here and there during the season, they were finally like, you know what? Now nah, Rondo's going to take the – once Rondo came back from injury as well, they were like, Ty Lue was basically like, Rondo's going to take this um, and start. And Reggie Jackson, what he's been giving you off the bench, you have to give it to him. Like, you They're can't not even just... playing Rondo as many minutes as they should, honestly. It is playoff time. This is playoff Rondo time. Like, he should be playing there a lot more, honestly. Yeah, and, and to your point about Pat Bev – Actually got a DNP in game five. So uh, didn't even play a single minute. Um, so yeah. that's all you need to know about what I basically, everything I just said, there's your answer for anyone who's doubting it. Yeah. So, uh, and that's after playing 
three minutes or at uh, five minutes, sorry, in in game four and giving up some easy buckets uh, to Luca. So look, I, there's a lot of lot of things that can be broken down about these playoffs, but there's obviously it's exciting. I mean, really, you look at these these Western Conference matchups. We talk about how deep the Western Conference is. We're seeing it in these matchups right here because we have a two seven going at each other. We have a four five going at each other. And we have a 3-6 going at each other. And weirdly enough, that 2-7, everybody thought was over less than 72 hours ago. They thought it was going to be over for the set 2-1 team, the 7 seed that was up. And just like that, I don't think anyone has any faith in them anymore. Yeah. And once you lose AD, that's got to that's gotta be painful, too. I mean, I, I kept to talking see about... that a LeBron James team is being counted out in the first round, though. That is just still really weird to see. Yeah. And, and Chris Paul, let's not forget what he's doing right now. After that injury, coming back, absolutely lighting it up offensively. With a and, dead arm too, he's like, "No, no, no, coach, I'm gonna play." Look here, Monty Williams, I'm gonna play. Yeah, but you're and, no, 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 I'm I'm gonna play. I didn't ask you. I told you I'm playing. And shooting threes like he's been doing all season, so uh, very efficient looking. And and I, I'm, we're gonna keep talking about it. Devin Booker looking like the guy that, that is the, the the next offensive threat to the entire league, and that we keep talking about. We've talked about Devin Booker every time we get a chance on this podcast. Because we we see how good he could be offensively, and then here you are in the biggest on, on a stage, and you're like, "See, see, I told you he could be that good. He is that good. Like, please listen to us. We're telling you, Devin Booker is that dude." And- Him and Bradley Beal both, if they could get a more consistent three point shot that just wasn't as streaky to kind of match their mid range dead eye, my God, those two could average like thirty five forty easily. Like they. Their ability to attack the basket and how they pull up from mid-range is very underrated. They talk about how, quote-unquote, the mid-range game is dead. Those two guys keep it alive, basically. Those two guys truly do keep it alive. They get a little bit heat-checky sometimes. I mean, obviously, for Bradley Beal, he has to because that's the way the offense works. But like, sometimes Devin Booker's like, nah, man, I'm Devin Booker, and gets a little bit of that little bit of that Kobe going a little bit. It's just pulling off some of those crazy shot attempts. And when they're going in, Devin Booker's dropping 70 or 30 or whatever he wants. But sometimes he gets shoot himself, shoot them into holes, more or less, if you will, when he gets like that. But when he is on fire, good luck, everybody else, because you also got DeAndre Ayton down there cleaning up and Chris Paul running the show, too. So that's a dangerous team, too. I, I look forward to seeing what the Suns can pull off down this playoff stretch. Yeah, I mean, past the Lakers. I was about to say, yeah, if they get past the Lakers, this team is uh, going to be a tough favorite one. if they get past the Lakers at this point. You know, I don't know if they're a favorite, but you have to look at this Jazz team and still kind of be like, well, that is the number one seed. It's hard to overlook them. But I, I think the Suns have a really good opportunity to be like, well, yeah, you guys are that way. But but here's a real offense run by a real point guard. No, nothing against Mike Conley or anything that the Jazz are you doing. You watch your Just... tongue about Mike Conley, what he has done in these playoffs. <laughs> My goodness, he's been better than Chris Paul even. Yeah, no, look, Mike Conley's was fantastic. He's been the best point guard in the playoffs probably so far, if you, as far as point guards go. Depending on what you do with James Harden and Kyrie, maybe you could – I don't know about them because they they rotate so damn so many times. Who's going to go off? Mike Conley's gone off every single game. It feels like in one way or another, he's been a. Finally, people are starting to recognize Mike Conley. Those who saw him in Grind City and all the way back to Ohio State, they know, they know, and now everybody's starting to know a little bit. Yeah, that's the question: is how many people remember Mike Conley? That not and that's what like he's he's in his thirties now. He's thirty two. Like he's been doing this since he was twenty one. Even younger than that, but didn't he come out at like 2019, something like that? Yeah, so his first season, he was 2021, so. Oh, okay, so he did go a couple years at Ohio State then, okay. Yeah, yeah, I think he did a two-year stint at Ohio State because, yeah, that was a, uh... but look, yeah, he's absolutely a fantastic point guard, and, and he's always been really good. 
And now you're seeing a complete game from him, not just a a hot and cold streaky game. Like it was some, that's one of his big problems in Memphis is sometimes he got hot and cold. But here he is in Utah through four five games in against a tough Grizzlies team taking on a tough matchup in John Morant. And yeah, John Morant was given to the business, but he gave it right back. Like it was a dead even. Like, hey, Mike Conley, come guard me. Then Mike Conley sits in the chair and he's like, no, no, give me a screen. Give me a screen. I, I don't want this. I'll, I'll take somebody else. Give me a screen. We're getting a switch or something. Like, <laughs> it wasn't quite pure one-on-one. And I think part of the reason we mentioned Mike Conley too, one thing I think helps is in Memphis, there was no spacing. It was Zebo on one block, Marcus on the other block, and maybe a Rudy Gay back cut. And then Tony Allen not being useful on offense whatsoever. They didn't really have a whole lot else offensively to go with. And there was not room for Mike Conley to work. You see him now with the guys like Bogdanovich and Ingles. You still have the big man down there, Rudy Gobert, crashing the glass. You've got Donovan Mitchell, who we talk about Damian Lillard. Did Donovan Mitchell gave you a 57 in a game last year in the playoffs and lost? Like, we, the guy that can get your buckets. So, and then, of course, O'Neal, Derek Favors. Like, he has guys around him that could complement his skill set. So that's why I think even at 32, we might be seeing the best Mike Conley. And that's dangerous for the West. I know the NBA is looking at, like, can we, uh, can somebody else beat the Jazz? We don't really want them in the finals. Like, we'd prefer to have maybe an LA team or, Heck, we'll take the Suns even because Phoenix, like anybody but that. But look out for the Jazz as well, too. And maybe we'll take the Mavericks for the NBA because we could market Luka. And then you're going to get the Jazz led by Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, who shut down the entire league, and Mike Conley in the finals. Yeah, what what's up with that? Why is Donovan Mitchell not getting the love of a lot of other young guys? I feel like of all the young guys too, right? I mean, he does get a little bit of love. Well, I mean, I by, the NBA, slowed down like, a little by bit, the NBA, by the NBA, the NBA as a whole, they want to market Luka, they want to market Trey, they want to market all these other young Zion, but they're Luka's not got that international appeal. So I get that one. I guess yeah, like okay, it, that makes overseas. The Zion one. I don't got an answer for you. They, like, I, they just love that guy. I don't got an answer for you on that one. The Trey young one. It's probably cause they thought he's going to be the next Steph Curry. And it turns out he's close. He's in, he's something between Dame and Steph with a little bit less three point prowess. He yeah. can, he can bombs away. He's just not as efficient or as freaking ridiculously hot as Dame can get, or as consistently accurate as Steph can get. Yeah, so I just feel like Donovan Mitchell is getting a lot of that Dame treatment. He's getting that when, early Dame life where they're just like, oh, yeah, he's good. They're not like, oh, yeah, he's uh, the spider. Yeah, I yeah. forgot about that. They forget. They they must have forgot. Like, he's good leading his team to the playoffs since he's joined the team. Like, okay, yeah. Like, don't yeah, get me wrong. he was asked Obviously, to fill uh, Gordon Hayward's shoes, and he surpassed those. Yeah, not, yeah so exactly. To, to, to take up the offense of Gordon Hayward and Alec Burks, by the way. But he did better than that. Oh, and he can can also play defense, too. Probably better than both those guys can. Yeah. So uh, let let a franchise of the Jazz, who historically have been a playoff franchise, uh, to their first ever number one seed, by the way. Uh, So, And also help them set a record for franchise points in a playoff game. Just just saying. Donovan Mitchell. All respect for the the Spider, and and good luck at the rest of the West, whoever gets it. Good luck dealing with that, too. Like, if you're the Lakers and you actually get past the Suns, have fun with that. You yeah. thought the you thought the Suns were a problem. That's a different animal. And talk about earning your stripes. Uh, like if the Lakers can get past the Suns and then they have to face the the Jazz and they can somehow get past the Jazz. All right, Lakers, we take back all the the smack we we talked about you leading up to this point. But well, but really, it's easy with the smack talk now. I mean, I did we did both put them in the finals. I mean, like I thought they. I mean, I thought I thought AD was going to win MVP. So let's not forget that I'm holding a, a dunce cap over my head for that comment. To be fair, he also only played like 30 games. So there's only so much you could do with that. Yeah. But so moving there's on. There's plenty of dunce casts to go around. You don't have to wear <laughs> one for that one. Absolutely. So uh, moving on to our probably our favorite talk uh, section, uh, Crunch definitely Time. Definitely your favorite. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we've had a lot to talk about lately. 
Uh, so crunch time presented by fanatics.com. If you guys haven't checked out fanatics yet, please go do so. It is the place to get all your fan goods and apparel. Uh, and the link is in our bio. You get our brand new jerseys, everything for the playoffs, or you want to look for NFL season or NCAA season, football season. Those are all coming up. Go check out the jerseys now. Get them on sale while you still can over at fanatics.com. So link is to that link to that is in our link tree in our bio. So go check that out on Twitter. Um, but DJ, what what are your some of your 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 thoughts coming down here the last last little bit? What do you what do you have to get off your mind? No, there's not a whole lot that I'm trying to rant about. There's not a whole lot I'm trying. I don't have a whole lot of tangents to go on. I just kind of got a question for everyone to think about while they're out there too. And we kind of alluded to it earlier, but I'm going to kind of just hit the nail right on the head with it. I don't think we can necessarily say that LeBron James is the best player in the world anymore. He is fantastic. He's a top three player all time. Most people would say top two, top one. Right now, I don't think you say he's the best. He's still elite. He's still all-star starter. Like, Top five, probably, but when you look at a night in and night out basis, you don't always get it from when you watch him play. Like, actually, look, don't look at the stat line, like, watch him play. It's not the same. Like, in that Suns game, he was miserable. Like, he finished with what was it, 25, 8, and 8, or something like that. Like, but that was 15 from just hucking up threes in the third quarter, empty. The Diet Dr. Pepper stat line basically is how we look at it because there was no cat, it was empty calories basically. He, it didn't change the game. They went from being down 30 to being down 28 after his onslaught, basically. And without Anthony Davis, they have struggled this year when it's been just, when it's been just LeBron with no Anthony Davis, he got drum and he wanted drum and it doesn't work. He, his free throw shooting is terrible that he can't make free throws. His three point shots spotty. Like he's capable of, we've seen LeBron it when he turns it on all the way. It's like, Oh, there he is. But it's so short burst. And it's, it's honestly due to age. I'm not saying that he's just quitting or anything like that. I just think age is age. Father time is undefeated. And I think it's starting to creep up on LeBron a little bit. Like it's not like fully engulfing him, but like the hand is on the shoulder and it's just whispering sweet, sweet. Nothing's in his ear. Like, Hey, we're coming for you. And I think he's starting to feel it a little bit. He's still top five ish player in the world, but you look at what guys like Kevin and Kawhi Jokic, I think those guys are in that position to pass him as well too. But to add on to that before we get to yours as well too. Kawhi Leonard, possibly, I don't, I still think he's better than Kawhi Leonard. I know there's a lot of talk about Kawhi Leonard being quote unquote, the next best player in the world, better than LeBron, better two-way player, all that. Even all that being said, he's still better than Kawhi Leonard. I think Kawhi Leonard has been a little bit overrated, honestly, for he's had, he's been very overrated recently. So those are, those are my two little interesting tidbits. I'm not even going to call them rants or rankings or anything like that. It's just a homework for the listeners at home. Go and take a look, just sit back and take a look without, looking at the name on the back of the jersey just look at the play and go with that it's a, it's a hot take I, I won't say hot take because i agree a lot with what you, we've talked we're gonna about call it lot. like mild sauce from taco bell take like just without the taco bell but like Honestly, just the mild it's, not, sauce even, it's not even mild it's like paste picante low it's like not even fully like it's basically ketchup it's like southern yeah. california ketchup at this point it, it's ketchup with a little bit of cajun seasoning in there you get a little bit of a kick but nothing nothing more it's like a very it's a dabble of sriracha with a little bit of ketchup with it there you go. All right. I like that one. Or top tomatillo sauce. This is what, yeah. It's the hot sauce you get with the ramen noodle packages. It's not that, it's nothing too special now. Yeah. So, look, I mean, but that's a good point. Like, cause we've talked about that a lot, you know, especially out there. It feels like he's kind of, I won't say biding his time, but to your father time comment, it feels like the day that his son gets into the league and he gets to be the guy that's like, all right, I played with my son in the NBA. All right, I'm retiring. Bye, guys. Like that's what I'm waiting for. Is like and then Chris Paul does it like a year later. He's like, okay, guys, I'm did it now too. Okay, bye. <laughs> exactly. So like, I'm just waiting for that day. Really, is what it feels like 
the day that I see LeBron retire is going to be after he plays with the Sun. I don't think he's going to retire until then, but I don't think we're going to see LeBron walking off into the sunset at the top of his game anymore. Obviously, I don't think I think it's too late for that. I think the top of his game is already gone past him, which does it. It happens to everybody. It's not an insult. I'm not trashing LeBron. I'm simply saying we're so used to saying LeBron is the best player in the world. I think now it's about time to think uh, it's now time to actually reevaluate it. That's pretty much it. That's yeah, all. No I mean, insults whatsoever. Everybody's always had those twilight years of their career. And so, you know, there's nothing against it. It just happens. It's just age. Um, so very, very interesting and interesting uh, observation there. It's the Kawhi one that I think is going to get more people interested that they, me saying he's overrated. We're going to talk more about that. It's probably on the next episode because I have some thoughts on Kawhi. We're just running out of time, and it's your turn to go on your crunch, clutch time time. So go and take over. Yeah, so, all right. If anybody's been following along with our Twitter account, you'll notice I have been critical of Edmonton football team, the Edmonton CFL team. Uh, however, they finally had their announcement uh, this last week, and – Let's just say it didn't go over well at all. Uh, first of all, their announcement was supposed to start at 10 a.m. Central Time was the originally announced time. And it would have finished by 10.30 a.m. Central Time. Well, it hit 10 a.m. Central Time and nothing happened. And then the tweet came out that it was going to be moved to Alberta time, which is Rocky Mountain time, uh, for those that don't know. And at 10.30, all of a sudden, their YouTube started up with a video running the same montage. And that's Central Time, by the way, 10.30 Central Time. And about 10.45 Central Time, their their team app goes off and releases all their new merchandise that they've been trying to hide. They've been trying to wait for this announcement to go and, and release all this merchandise. It was supposed to be 45 minutes after they're not that the, the start of the... Uh, announcement that the merchandise was supposed to go live well their app developers were keeping it off the original announcement and they went live early from the announcement giving away the name that is now the edmonton elks the very interesting looking logo well then the actual picture comes out and it's a logo that it takes up out of a 110 yard field for the cfl it goes from 25 to 25 and it's vertical so it's like from one end zone to the other, looking if you have to look through an end zone to see the logo correctly. So many things that are wrong with that, first of all. But for an for an advertisement, for an announcement, fine. Absolutely cool. Uh, but I got heat for for commenting on that and, and you know telling them the teams that obviously need to keep their stuff correct and, and not do a vertical line. But but looking at it, like if you have an announcement coming and your league is struggling the way it is financially, your team is one of the stalwarts of the league. Because Edmonton is a column, it is a structure, it is one of the hearts of the league for the CFL, and your league is struggling. You can't have a fiasco happen like this when you're rebranding your team, especially in a major rebrand where you're rebranding from something that is very problematic to something that is better. You know, you cannot have this fiasco. And it, first of all, your team's not being in the same time, the delay for an hour and all of that. Plus then you're, you know, uh, it was just, it was a cluster. And out of teams in the CFL, I'm not being critical of just, you know, I'm saying that's a bad look. I'm being critical of directly of Edmonton because like I look back at the, the Alouettes when they did it a few years ago and they changed their logo, changed their designs on their team, helmet and jerseys and everything. Fantastic job. They did a great job with that. You know, the, 
there, there's been so many teams in the CFL that have done it right. But for Edmonton, a team that has been doing this in the CFL and has been a stalwart in the CFL, one of the greatest ever NFL quarterbacks to ever play, played in Edmonton, by the way, Warren Moon. So, like, they do have some ties to greatness in their, in, not just in the CFL, but in NFL's history as well. They know how to do this, yet they drop the ball completely. And that's what I'm critical on is just if you're a professional franchise and you're struggling financially, like your league is struggling financially, you cannot afford to have this type of a mess up on a grand stage with so many eyes looking at you. I want to add on to that. It's a, not nearly as serious, but like calling yourselves the you can't call yourselves the Elks because their Elks is not a plural version of Elk. Elk is literally Elk. It's like you don't say you're the Edmonton Deers. It's the Edmonton Deer. It's the Edmonton Elk. So they that kind of dropped the ball on that one too, just grammatically speaking on top of it too. Yeah, I mean, that was one I actually set up for the tweet and then deleted because I was like, I don't want to get too harsh on on everything. So I actually deleted that off of our original you're tweet. You were too busy really into everything. I'll take the easy low-hanging fruit of like English. And with that said, their logo looks good. It all looks fine. It's just the day of the announcement, you got to do better. You get you gotta cat you gotta cap you gotta be captivating on the first day. Like you have to make a first impression from heck. It's like when you meet the ladies' parents for the first time, you have to have a good first impression because after that you're climbing out of a hole from that point on forward. And you're gonna be climbing for a long time. So and yeah. they might not have a long time. Anyways, that does it for us this week. And get ready for more color cast coming up this weekend as we enter round two of our color cast NBA playoff tournament. If you guys want more information on that, follow along with us on Twitter or on Instagram at high low sports or at high underscore low underscore sports on Twitter. And you'll be able to get all the updates as we release them for which games we're doing. DJ, any final words? Not all. Just be sure to tune in for to those starting Monday. If I'm not mistaken, when the second round is officially underway as well too. So definitely come in and enjoy that too. Or not second, second round for the turn for the cutcast turn. I should say will most likely be underway on Monday, especially if they're already game sevens. If not, it might start this weekend, but follow along. It's going to be a fun ride. Definitely. Enjoy that. Come out. Just check in. Jump in the comment section with us. Get some professional play-by-play with some barbershop commentary. Basically, the most you can ask for at that point. Drop in a comment. Tell us how bad we suck, and we'll be sure to respond. We respond to every single comment, so you know we'll we'll find you and we'll shout you out or complain if you say something that say something bad about one of us. Well, actually, I probably agree with you. If you say something bad about me, so okay, I wasn't gonna just throw you under the bus. All right, I'll complain if you make fun of me. Like if you make fun of my hair or something, I'll be really sad and complain. <laughs> uh, yeah, that does it for us today, guys. And until next time, guys, we will see you. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more.